I wanted to preach this morning just on we need Jesus. We need him. Uh, and, and there's sometimes, you know, like we sing the song. I, I think we could, many of us could have sung that song, God is good. Inwardly, do we really believe that? Inwardly, do we really understand that he is good? That, uh, that maybe in our situations, we don't see him as good. And I want us this morning to just be sensitive to him and allow him to come and speak in areas. Because I'm going to probably touch on some things that are a little bit maybe tough. But he wants relationship with us. He wants to know us. He wants to walk with us. He wants every moment of the day, he wants to speak to us. And uh, I must say, I'm a little bit ashamed standing here because I think I'm not as responsive to his voice as I should be sometimes, knowing that he does speak to me. I'll give you an incident about two, three days ago. I was in a at spa in the line waiting to pay for my goods, and I felt the, the Spirit say to me, pay for the, the guy's bread. It was just a bread. It wasn't a major financial investment. It was just pay for his bread. But I delayed. There was that moment where I thought, okay, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. I hear you, Jesus. I hear you, Holy Spirit. And the guy turned around to me and, and asked, would you be able to buy this for me? I felt like I missed the moment. I had a moment where I could have been proactive with listening to God and doing what He says. And it's, it, I missed it for that moment. I bought the guy a loaf of bread, but it, I felt like in that moment, if I had just heard God and, and responded straight away, you know, there's something like uh, when we've, with our girls, when they were young, they're now older, much older, married. <laughs> but when they were little ones, you know, there was something that we called, if, and, we, and we used a phrase, if it's not first time obedience, it's disobedience. In other words, if they don't respond straight away, it's actually disobedience. And uh, it's not like we intently like try that out with our kids. And I'm, this isn't a parenting course now, but there's uh, you know, the, you, you don't do that to your children when they're engaged in, tea, in watching a pro, their favorite movie or whatever. You don't just go and switch off the TV and say, like, okay, go to bed, you know. You, 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 you help them. You kind to them. You, you help them understand in this thing of first-time obedience that, babes, 10 minutes' time, I'm going to switch off that, the TV you know, and you're going to go to bed. And then when I say the words, go to bed, it's immediate. There's a response. And there's, a, there's a, like that, uh, this first-time obedience, which we wanted in our girls. And they are really are wonderful girls. <laughs> we, we, I'll give you another incident. <laughs> My 24-year-old the other day, another thing that we, we sort of taught them was self-control. And uh, that was... Like when they were small, like, you know, you go through that sweet aisle and those hands just want to grab. And so we said, you know, you put your hands like this, it's self-control as you're going through, you know. And uh, 
my 24-year-old phone the other day and said, like, she walked through the clothing department saying self-control. <laughs> so, so, but first-time obedience to Jesus, hearing him. You know, what, uh, we've been given such a great faith, such a great life, actually, in God. And, and we need to hear him. We need, to, we've been, I want to look at John 16, and uh, if you can put that up, John 16, verse 4 to 5. And it talks about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. And we've got the Holy Spirit with us. Um, to teach us. And it says, um, I do not say these things, uh, sorry, I do not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. This is Jesus speaking to us. But now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you ask where you're going because I have said these things to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, verse seven, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. And so it's to our advantage. Do you know that you have the advantage of having the Holy Spirit with you? Every moment of every day, you have the Holy Spirit. Jesus has left the Holy Spirit with you. And it sounds simplistic but do we live it? In that moment, I didn't live it. I didn't have first time obedience to him. I didn't listen to him immediately. And um, it says over here, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He helps us in this walk. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So he's got, there's three things over there. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And so like that lady that came and presented that, uh, that perfume before, she recognized her sin. She recognized that sin. And so... What was happening? The Holy Spirit was actually speaking to her. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. There's, we've been given the Holy Spirit to not just only convict us of sin, but also of righteousness. Don't you have that voice inside of you speaking to you about actually areas of righteousness? Huh? I do, and sometimes I don't listen. Sometimes it's not first-time obedience. And then he says, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. There's gonna be a judgment one day. And so there's three aspects, and I, and I wanted us to have this in the back of our mind as we, as we look at this, because I think that's key of understanding our need for Jesus. If we don't understand the area of sin, if we don't understand the area of righteousness, and if we don't understand the area of judgment, I don't think we, we're really going to understand our need for him. Who is this Jesus? 
I, I want, I'm going to just drop three scriptures because there's just so much. I think we haven't got, I've got like probably 20 minutes left. But there's, I, I just want to drop three things of just who he is so that we can understand. And I'm going to keep it simple because I think we need simple. We, we need it digested so that we can live it. And uh, it says in, um, in Matthew 21, it talks about Mary, um, it says, she will bear a son and, and they shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus saves us. Are we able to sing God is good? If we can see he saves us from our sins. And obviously there's a way, there's repentance, there's a whole lot. Colossians 2 verse 9 says, In him the whole fullness of deity dwells. What did Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so when we look to Jesus, we actually see the Father. This is who Jesus is. I'm giving you just a brief three scriptures just to see Jesus. Revelation 19 verse 11 uh, through, it talks about the rider on the white horse. And this, for me, is a scary picture of Jesus. That one day he's going to come. His his robe's going to be dripped in blood. And uh, it talks about out of his mouth will come this sword that will devour his enemies. It'll burn up his enemies. You don't have to read it. You can, you can have a read over there. But actually, we need this Jesus. Jesus is no, he, he was the land that paid the price, but he's coming back as a king. And he wants relationship with us. He wants to commune with us. He wants to show us who he is. There's, in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved, and it is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. And so sometimes we can think, ah, this, you know, look at how good I am. I've, I've accomplished these things in my life. I've done this good. But actually, we don't understand the grace of God that has come into our lives. His ability to change us, his ability to transform us. It's actually his grace in our lives. And um, in 2 Peter 1 verse 1 to 4, and I'm going to jump to verse 3 or verse 2. It's, Paul writes and he says, um, he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance through your knowledge of Jesus knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. You want to know how you can live this life, how you can, it's, it's only through Jesus, it's only his, it's, it's his divine power, it's his grace working in our lives that we may participate in this divine nature that God's called each one of us to live in. You know, Paul writes, he didn't have things going well in his life. Uh, and, and, and many of us can identify that there's some stuff that, you know, uh, shakes our world, world in a sense. There's some stuff, maybe there's a, you know, 
you know, you, you have a, I had a pulmonary embolism some time back, but it's like, it jolts you into like, wow, I, I nearly died there. I was in ICU, there was, you know, and, and there's many, many things that, that we are faced with in our lives, but are we able to see God is good? Are we able to still pour out that ointment or that, 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 um, that perfume upon him and say you are good? Paul writes in, in 2 Corinthians, and, 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 and he had a lot of stuff happening that was opposed to him. But he said, uh, but he wrote about a, a, the word that God had given him and the, God had said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. And so, yes, Paul, he's facing all these hardships, yet he's understanding and feeling the power of God flowing through him. He's feeling the grace of God in his life. Have you ever seen someone that loves the Lord, but you see there's something about God's presence on them, even though they're going through a hard time? Have you seen that? Huh? There's, there's something about them relying on the grace of God for their life. You know, the, the world's not upside down, but it, in a sense it could be. But yet inside there's like, there's this calmness, there's this, this trusting of God, there's the presence of God. And sometimes we quite easily say, it's too hard for me. Isn't that so? It's like, this, you know, this marriage is too hard. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull through, you know. Maybe the work, the pressured work is just, too great. I don't know how to do it. Or maybe it's an area of, of sin. I just, I can't get this, I can't get breakthrough on this. I can't, I can't win this battle. And so I just, God's not deep inside of me. I'm thinking like, okay, God's not really that great. It, or he's not great enough to deal with this area in my life. And he wants to. But yet Paul experienced God's grace and he experienced his power. And yet he's actually calling to each one of us to live in that place of experiencing his power and his grace to change us. You know that there's, and, and I wanted to just touch on five things where I feel like this, this area we can stop the grace of God on our lives. Where we can not experience his grace. And so I, I, I wanted to give us tools actually this morning to like help us walk out of that to actually understand, you know, and, and, and experience God's grace and his power. That when we're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not gonna make it through this. I'm not, you know, this, this is too tough. I can't get breakthrough on this area in my life. There's, a, there's, a, there's, there's possibly some things that we are not allowing the grace of God into. You know, and the scripture's, the scripture's clear. It, it talks about those, you know, who are, um, and let's maybe just go there before I go, um, in James 4 and, and verse 
in verse 4, 6, sorry, verse 6. He gives us more grace. Okay. Uh, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You all know that scripture. You've heard that scripture. But do we recognize that if we don't experience God's grace, what are we experiencing? We, we probably experience his opposition. We probably experience him, him wanting to discipline us, but we resisting it. We are resisting him, and so he's resisting us. And so I've, I've got five things here I want to touch on. Is As the Holy Spirit speaks to us, Remember, we said it, it talked about sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, there's, there's got to be that, that conviction in our lives. And so are we, are, we, are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Because I want to sharpen our tools on hearing Him, because He wants to do us good. We want to be those that are able to say, God is good. We want to be those that are able to come to the front and say, God, you are good. You've done this in my life. You've changed You've, 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 you've brought victory in this area. And so the first thing I think is uh, what we call mischaracterizing God. And so we, we've, we've got this made-up picture of who God is. And maybe it's what we've experienced in church environment, or maybe it's what we've seen on uh, the Internet as we search through what God, who God is. You know, but we haven't gone into the Word of God. We haven't allowed the Word into us. And so we sometimes come, if we're not reading the Word of God, there's no ways we're going to be able to know who God is. We're not going to be able to know His character. We're not going to be able to know who He is, how, he, how much He loves us, how much He wants to walk with us and lead us. And so we've got this made up picture. And so you know, we, we need to start, we need to get into the Word, number one. If, if we're not, if, if, you, if you think God is just gracious, and He'll overlook sin, and He will, you know, he's, there's a good possibility you've characterized God wrong. Number two, by misunderstanding our character. You know, sometimes, sometimes we believe we are too holy, and that, that uh, you know, we, uh, we've been forgiven of our sins, and so we don't have to repent of any sins anymore. We just like forgiven, and we just carry on. We, we lose connection with Jesus, lose connection with his head. Or we, or we believe that we're so gifted by God that, we, that, that it's almost though these achievements or the, 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 this gifting that God has given me is by my own achievement and so we've got to understand our character this is our character we easily deceive ourselves but understanding as long as I'm in this body there is a a possibility of me sinning I don't want to sin willfully but I might mess up or I might even sin willfully, which is something else we'll, we'll, we'll touch on. But 
There needs to be something inside of our heart that we so want to please him. We so want to do what he wants that we are listening to him. That uh, we understand our character. We understand this character, I need him. And, 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 and for that, I want to be quick. When I, when I don't, when I misunderstand him, when I don't do what he's asked of me, to be quick to come and say sorry because he's a good father. He loves us. He wants to be with us. Um, the third one is by practicing unforgiveness. We practice unforgiveness. And, and as said, sometimes we are never as holy and godly than when we do forgive. But then on the opposite scale, we're never as ungodly if we don't forgive. And, and this is Jesus' call for us to walk in forgiveness. And if we, like that lady presenting that perfume, we'll understand that I've got to forgive much. I've been forgiven much. I've got to forgive much. Then we come, come back to the presumptuous sin, number four. It's a presumption. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. And in, the mind, in your mind, you think like, okay, I'll, um, I'll pray to God afterwards. I'll, I'll ask forgiveness later. I'm just being real with you. Is this not sometimes what, what we do? I've, I've done it. I've, there was a, a phase in my life where I didn't repent. I knew it was wrong, but I didn't actually come with a heart of, 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 of thankfulness and, and, and ask God for forgiveness. It was like, okay, he's washed me. I'm wrong. Let's move on. But I, the, there wasn't a wrenching of my heart. There wasn't like, a, I've hurt my father. I've hurt him. I've gone, gone against his will. And... Uh, and so we, we jump in this to this presumptuous sin that hey, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna forgive me, you know. Um, but as a growing Christian, this there's there's this 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 um, sorry. Let me read uh, Hebrews ten verse twenty six because I think I think this is something so key for us. Is this scripture talks about if we deliberately keep on sinning. Now remember, go back, zoom back a bit about the Holy Spirit convicts us about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Okay? So, and, and, and what's that picture of Jesus in Revelation? It's of him coming and destroying his enemies. Isn't that so? Okay? And so what does the scripture say? It's, if we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Shucks. So actually, as a believer, even if I've experienced his forgiveness, if I continue in that sin, I become an enemy of God. It's that's a hectic scripture to think about. That I could become an enemy of God. I do that when I sin presumptuously, when I 
just assume he's going to forgive me. So I just go ahead and do it. I know it's wrong, but I just carry on. Uh, I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit. It goes on. It says how it says um, anyone who rejected the law of Moses died. And it's talking about the Old Testament died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So that's how they died. Two or three people said, you're guilty. They died. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? So I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be an enemy of God. I want to listen to the Holy Spirit when he convicts me about judgment. About this is, this is the Jesus we're serving. Number five, by practicing a minimal form of Christianity. So we want enough of his grace in our lives to get to heaven, but we don't want enough to help us change and turn away from sinfulness. And sometimes it's living a double life. That's what it looks like. It's like, this is who you are, yeah, but out there, you know, you get drunk, flirt, live a different lifestyle, that's having a nominal form of Christianity. But Jesus calls us to give it all. Jesus calls us to lay down our lives. And, he, and, he want, and it's a safe place. It's a safe place. Why do we want to live in that place? When we can actually live in relationship with Him, when we can live and, and hear Him and and know Him, that we can live a full life, our full life here, flat out for Jesus, 100% for Him. If you give your life fully to Him, you're going to see His power and His grace to live the way that He wants. Number six, ignoring the Holy Spirit. He wants to change you, but you resist. He convicts you of sin, but you do nothing about it. Our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is lost when we, our conscience just erodes away. And so these, these areas actually take away from the grace of God in our lives. And God wants us to actually experience His grace. He wants us to experience His power in our lives. So how do we do this? So what do we learn about grace? Grace is not a, a, a license to do whatever we want. Grace is actually a teacher that teaches us how to live for God. And if we go to Timothy, Titus 2, and, and there's a whole thing about what should be taught in amongst amongst the saints what are the things that should be taught and and when you look at it there's 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 nothing like really it's it's about being an example it's about living above reproach worthy of respect it's it's all these things that should be taught wow at in in verse 10 it says to make the teachings about god our savior attractive because there's something that's attractive about our lives, when people see the grace of God on our lives. There's something that's attractive. And so in verse 11, it says, for the grace of God 
that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Talking about Jesus. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the hope. In other words, when Jesus is coming, we're waiting for that hope. But there's an enabling. There's a grace that's imparted to be able to conquer those things. When you think, shucks, I can't get out of this thing. I can't get out of how do I deal with my, the way that I respond? Or how do I deal with this area of sin in my life that I can't seem to get victory on? The grace of God. The grace of God, if you're going to position yourself, you're going to experience His power to overcome those areas. You're going to experience Him him and his grace coming in. You're going to experience his relationship. There's going to be a joy, a excitement about actually, and a thankfulness that rises up inside of us as we, as, as we see him work and, he, and we see his grace enable us and work in our lives. In 1 Corinthians 8, and I, I th- this for me is a wonderful scripture, but it's talking about food sacrifice to idols and how, um, you know, there was a bit of a, in, in the Corinthian church, how uh, some were thinking this is like legalistic and that, that some were like, you've got to do this. If you're a believer, if you, uh, you can't eat that, that meat that's come from, you know, the sacrifice for idols because in that time, what they did was like a third was given uh, to... Uh, uh, was sacrificed, they brought an animal, a third of the meat was, was given to be burnt as a sacrifice to some god, a third was given to the, that priest or whatever, and a third was then given back and, uh, to the person, and that was either sold in a meat market or taken and eaten. Or, and, and so there was a lot of this happening around. He, he writes to them about this and actually it's talk, and, 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 and he doesn't come in because at one stage there was a law passed before where in, a, in another um, town where they said that actually, you know, all Gentiles that come in should, it will be good if you abstain from meat, you know. But yet now it's like, it's fine to eat this meat. So there was a bit of confusion. And... Um, for me, like when Paul writes, he's, he's actually bringing them to understand the more important thing of actually not making your brother stumble in that area. And, and he brings this thing in about understanding who God is. And, and he says over here, he says, um, there, are many, um, there are many so-called gods, both in heaven and on earth, verse 4, 5, sorry, and on earth, but some people actually worship, but and some people actually worship many gods, many lords. But for us, but for us, there is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created, and for whom we live. And that's actually that's us. This is we know that God has created all things. The Father has created all things, and this is who we live for. We live for Him. But then he says over here, there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom 
all things were created. Through, all, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. There's a place of living through Jesus, through what Jesus has done. If we're going to listen to his Holy Spirit, if we're going to hear him, we're going to be able to live the life. And, it's, and he says over here, however, not, not all believers know this. It's like, oh, wow, okay. There's, there's a place for us to walk with Jesus where we are living through him, where we're listening to him, where we are sensitive to him, where we're allowing him in. We're not just saying those, I live for God, but we're actually allowing him to work in our lives and actually transform us. And, and it says that through whom we live, there's a place of life that Jesus has for us. But we're not going to move into that unless we're hearing his Holy Spirit who brings conviction on sin, on righteousness and judgment. And so if we, we, if we understand our need for him, I need him. I needed him in that grocery store. I need him in my relationship with Kegwood. I need him in my relationship with my girls. Because I want to I honor him. I, wa I want him to, I want his grace to work in my life so that I can see his power working in my life. And maybe for you this morning, you realize actually in some of those areas I haven't. I haven't allowed his grace to come in. I haven't seen his power work. I don't, have the, I don't have the faith on some area in my life. I've almost resigned myself to the fact that he's not able. He possibly can't do that. He can't pull me out of that. And God is reaching out to you. Even this morning by that word, I mean, Paul didn't even know that I'd, I'd, this is what I was going to preach, but he brought that word. And it's, it's actually Jesus' word to us. He wants us, there's a recognition of us and there's a recognition of who he is and there's a presentation of ourselves before him. And I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you to, to risk with God. It's no risk at all to tell you the truth because he's faithful. He's able to do it. He's able to extend and you his power into your life and you are able to experience his grace.